0: Now, if you would turn with me to the book of Exodus, I want to read from two portions in the book of Exodus. First of all, chapter 20 and the verses 18 through 21. And let me just set the scene here a little bit. The children of Israel uh, had been uh, met with God in Exodus 19. God had called them to come and meet with Him at Mount Sinai and gave them the commandments. And in response to that meeting at Mount Sinai, we read these words, uh, in beginning with verse 18 of Exodus chapter 20. Hear the word of God. Now when all the people saw the thunderings and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Then we want to turn to the end of the book of Exodus, chapter forty. And reading the last several verses there, 34 through 38, which we are going to be looking particularly at uh, this morning. Exodus 40, verse 34, again the word of God. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Thus far, the reading of God's most holy word, may God indeed bless both the reading and the hearing of his word. The psalmist in Psalm 10 cries out to God and he says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? That cry going out to God, God, where are you at in the midst of my trouble? Is a cry that has gone out by the people of God. Not only do we read of it a number of times in the psalmist, but throughout the history of the church. It is a cry which we raise in times of trouble. Yes, we deal with, that's the common thing right now we talk about, pandemic. We deal with lawlessness. There's an increasingly pagan culture around us. There's war, there's lawlessness on the streets, there's paganism. Indeed, where is God at in the midst of all of this? But you see, what is really behind that question is the idea that I am convinced that if God were really here with me, he wouldn't let these things happen to me. God must have fallen asleep for a moment. God must have left. For there is the keen awareness of sin. You'll remember when Isaiah the prophet found himself in a vision before the throne of God. And the, the seraphim are flying back and forth, holy, 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 continuously uh, with that refrain. And we have this sense, well, God cannot be in my presence when I'm when I'm a sinner. So the things that are happening must be because of my sin. What the Psalmist eventually finds out, whenever you read the Psalm, many of the several of the Psalms start with, Lord, Where are you? And at the end of the psalm realizes he was there all along. He just wasn't looking right in understanding that God was really there. What the scripture makes clear, what we're going to look at this morning, is that God is with his people. God is with his people. And so literally what we see here in Exodus 40 is God moving into the camp of the Israelites at Mount Sinai. He's there in the midst of his people, even though had said, it's, it's too dangerous for God to be with us. We can't handle that. God moved in with his people. We learn by that something about that God is the God of salvation. He is in the camp. He's with his people. And he guides his people in their lives. So, so please follow with me as we look at this essentially... Uh, moving day on the part of God going into the Holy of Holies and the tabernacle. Now, our God is an ever-present God. There is no place in this creation where God is not. He upholds this creation by the palm of His hand. Even the place where His wrath is poured out in eternal uh, exercise of his wrath on those rebellious, God still upholds that place. So how can we speak of God literally coming into the camp? In particularly moving into the tabernacle, into what is referred to as the holy of holies. Well, in the same way that we can ask, you will remember that when Cain killed his brother Abel, and God said to Cain for his punishment, I'm going to send you away from my presence. And even Cain, the murderer and the one who hates God, said, that's too much for me to bear. But where is that place at? You think about for a moment. Where is that place at where God would send Cain to, away from his presence well the reality of God's presence is that it is not always the same in terms of just the geographical location if you will before sin Adam and Eve had fellowship with God in the most intimate way Adam and Eve lived in the garden they dressed and kept the garden and they met with God literally they sat down with for a conversation with God in that most intimate way. They did not do that after the fall. God put them outside of the garden. So in a very real way, we can speak of the presence of God in certain situations in terms of one's relationship with God in relationship to other situations. God clearly, and so there is a variation of levels, if we can put it that way, of being in the presence of God. We can begin to understand that concept when we look at the whole idea of worship. Uh, Psalm 95, the psalm that tells us about what worship is. God calls us to come and meet with him. This past week I taught in a full intensive course all week long on Reformed worship. And the underscoring point is, again, worship is meeting with God in the most intimate and personal face-to-face way. We read in verse 2 in the context of worship in Psalm 95 says, "...let us come before his presence with thanksgiving." Hebrews twelve twenty two also speaks of coming to God in worship, worship, meeting with Him in the temple made without hands, the new Jerusalem. There's a sense of God's presence which we experience in the context of worship which is not anywhere else in any other situation. There's a lot of which is involved in being in the presence of God But essentially it has to do with knowing him in the most intimate way and being guided by him. But there's a problem. There's a very real problem with being in the presence of God. And in fact, the right way to understand this There's a problem with God. With God coming into the midst of his people. These are the people at Mount Sinai, as as picking up the scene here again in the book of Exodus, whom God has brought out from slavery in Egypt. He's brought before them into the wilderness. There are probably anywhere from 4 to 5 million people in that camp. They are the people with whom he remembered covenant that he had made with Abraham. These are the people whom he brought through the Red Sea, that he drowned Pharaoh. These are the people uh, who, who have come before he has called before them and he has said with them in Exodus 19, "I will be your God and you shall be my people. but he is the holy God. Remember the scene I mentioned. The seraphim flying back and forth 24-7, singing Holy, Holy, Holy is gone. In Exodus 19, God had said to meet to the people. Come and meet with me, but be careful. Don't touch the mountain. And they met with him. And it was a terrible experience for God's people. And as we read, they said, Moses, you go meet with God. We can't be with God. So here is the reality. This is, of course, before Christ covered sin of his people on the cross. Before Christ actually took of his sins uh, before the throne of grace. The camp of God's people, as point, is still an unclean place. With an unclean people. Were God to enter that unclean place of unclean people because of his holiness and his righteousness and his justice, he would have had to reach out with his hand of justice and destroy everyone. Sin and the presence of God is a serious problem. God cannot be with in the midst of sin. Those of you who were in Sunday school this morning, that we're was pointing out that entering into the promised land was the picture of of the outward picture of God's people, and there is no place for sin there. Where God's established his kingdom. So we cannot just look at sin as is so often done. Well, you know, after I'm just human, I made a middle mistake. God is just happy if I leave that behind me and return unto him and follow him. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. But God does come into the camp. How can that be? He comes into the camp by means of the tabernacle. The tabernacle, which is the tent of meeting in the midst of God's people there in Sinai, it represents the sacrificial demonstration which is ultimately fulfilled in Christ on the cross that the shed blood uh, of of Christ pays and covers for the sins of his people so in that Old Testament outward sense where the sacrifice of lambs and and, uh, on the mercy seat and taking the sprinkling of blood into the Holy of Holies all of that represents that there is a place and a way for sin to be covered that God has provided And the fact that God does not move into the camp as a whole, but He moves into the Holy of Holies. So that there is actually, literally, a protection from God for the people who are yet needing to have sin covered for them, though a holy and righteous God can be in their midst because He has provided for them by the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, a place for God yet to be there. It's interesting, we read of God's presence uh, coming into the camp in such a complete and total way that even Moses could not enter into the Holy of Holies because God's presence was so full there. Well, God is His Spirit, He's not physical. So it's kind of interesting to notice how that works. But it says emphasis upon the complete and total presence of God dwelling in His people. And when we read in the Gospel of John, the birth of Christ John 1.14 says the word which is Christ the word became flesh and dwelt among us that word that is translated dwelt often is is literally he tabernacled Christ is in the midst God is in the midst now of his people through Christ as it is in the outward picture in the Old Testament and the tabernacle what we see here is that when the cloud came, filled the tabernacle so that Moses could not enter. It is a clear and loud message by God to his people saying, I have provided for you an answer for your sin. You can be blessed with the intimate fellowship of God and man being restored through Jesus Christ that's the gospel that's the good news yes sin has yet to be paid for and of course was paid for by Christ shedding his blood on the cross but the tabernacle is the picture for god for his promise to provide for that very thing the important thing to notice that god did not come as i said a moment ago very important distinction here. He did not just come into the midst of the camp. He did not say, well, I realize that you guys messed up, and uh, but now you really want to be right with me and have a good relationship, so that's okay. I'm going to forget all the past and we're just going to move in and get along anyway. No, not at all. The glory cloud filled the tabernacle, especially the Holy of Holies that it affords protection from the people. You and I, by the blood of Christ, are protected from a holy God because now our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. The reality of salvation is pointed to here in this passage. You may just want to simply read it as very interesting history, and it is. But what is interesting It's not just a nice story. It is the account and promise of Christ. It is the account of salvation. It is the gospel in action. It is God in the camp. It's a message of restoration of God and his people. You and I are created in the image of God means we are a reflection of God and within the Godhead Father, Son and Holy Spirit we have the most complete picture of fellowship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit the fact that we are created as in the image of God that is we are created to be a dependent people the essence of sin and rebellion was in fact to say, literally, by Adam, who represented us all in that situation, saying to God, the one whom we are dependent upon, I don't really need you, God. Ultimately, every sin in its bottom line is exactly that. Every time we do something that is in violation of God's law, we're saying, I don't need you, God. I don't need you to tell me how to live my life. I know better, and I can do figure that out for myself. That's the lie. God is the creator who sustains. That is, he is the lifeline that man and that you and I are plugged into. I mentioned Cain and his punishment. Even Cain, under the ban of God, is yet in a world which God sustains. And even he realized that his life was dependent upon God. But it is so much more than that. Being created in the image of God and having God as the lifeline means that man is blessed and enjoys the greatest idea of life where there's sweet fellowship. As God, Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit are in pure, sweet fellowship with each other. You and I, being created in the image of God, have a need for fellowship with our Creator. And when sin came, that could not be. It's really important to understand what actually happened here. All too often, people just sort of shrug their shoulders. Well that was really a stupid move on the part of Adam but well okay it happened and God would be happy if only man would come back well if you think about the relationship with man represented by Adam in the Garden of Eden when God created man as being both of them together in the most intimate of fellowship and when Adam turned his back on God and said I'm going to listen to Satan I don't need God yes Adam moved away from God but it's not only that man moved away from God and God is just standing there waiting hoping that man will come back but when Adam moved away from God God left because God will not have anything to do with rebellion against God so think now of the significance of God moving into the camp of his people The cloud and how thick it was is a wonderful picture of God coming back. He is not striking out with wrath because of the tabernacle and all that it represents. There is a means for sin to be covered. Not that blood shed by an animal and sacrificed on the altar ever paid for anybody's sin. Of course not. It, it represents, it points forward to the true covering of Christ symbolizing the blood of Christ by which sin is really and truly covered. There is now literally if you will, in the camp by God being in the Holy of Holies a buffer between God and his people so that his people can enjoy the presence of God and yet wait for the day in which sin is finally removed but even that could not be without the reality of a provision so that sin is covered the wrath of God is satisfied by means of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross so in Christ not only is there a picture of that with a buffer but sin is actually removed And God, by the Holy Spirit, came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And literally, now, not in the tabernacle, he moved into your heart. That means that now you are really clean. Not still, as the children of Israel, yet waiting. You are clean. God has actually removed the problem. God is again with his people. You can again worship in his very presence and experience that most intimate, that most pleasing, that most celebratory concept that we can come into the presence of God and meet with him. We don't have to be like like they were in Mount Sinai and say, Lord, that's too hard for us to take. We read in chapter 12 of Hebrews that we now do not come to Mount Sinai, but we come to Mount Zion and to the temple made without hands and we meet with God. But we would miss the ultimate point of this passage. And of the idea of coming together with God. We did not, not yet notice what does God's presence mean for the children of Israel. Beyond just simply the a provision for the covering of sin when God is with his people God provides direction for life the cloud which became a pillar of fire by night is the glory cloud in a very consecrated way it then became if you will the travel guide for the children of Israel through the land Of, of the of the of the wilderness, it guided the children of Israel to the promised land. It is important to see the connection between the presence of God and God as guide. The very rebellion of Adam and Eve was to say, "We can go our own way," because God is God, and we are His cr- creation. We need God to say to us. Here is where you go, and here is where you do not go. Here is when you go, and here is when you do not go. There are many who like the idea of being with God, even, who who perhaps are not in open rebellion and say, Hey, I found Jesus, and I really feel good about that, and he's my buddy, and But you mean, that actually means I need to start doing what the Bible says I should do? That's way too much. The language suggests, listen again in verses 36 and 37. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out. Till the day that it was taken up. That represents, yes, in a very concentrated, real way as the children of Israel were in the wilderness, but everything about their life was directed by God. When the, when the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud did not move, they did not. The presence of God is the word of God. When God speaks, he's not just making suggestions. He is not just a guide and with ideas that you might benefit from, if you would perhaps think you might listen to it. The presence of God is the word of God, and the word of God says in a complete and total way, in all of life, I will show you the way. When the cloud moved, the children of Israel moved. That is the picture in microcosm of life today in its fullness. They responded and followed God. Yes, there were those instances in which they rebelled and they suffered the consequences. You are the people of God. And the very concept of being the people of God is to follow Him. To meet with Him. To recognize that God has provided so that we can be the people of God. And to follow Him. Christ is the ultimate tabernacle. His blood has cleansed. There is no more problem. There's no more issue. There's no more reason to be afraid of God. What happened at Mount Sinai is gone. We're now at Mount Zion. It has been covered by the blood of Christ. And in fact, here's the really interesting thing. This generation that is their camp that day in Exodus 40, when God moved into the tabernacle, almost all of that generation ended up dying in the wilderness because of unbelief. God still led His people into the promised land. And He leads His people today into the promised land. When you follow God, He will lead you to life. Not just restored, because sin is covered. Yes, that's the foundation. That's the only way that we can be in the presence of God. But it's greater than that. God leads us and gives us the life, which is life now in service to God, ultimately following Him. It is life in eternity. The thing to really keep in mind when you look at this picture is life in all of its fullness. That picture of life is the height of blessings. It is the height of happiness of God's people. It is all that life can be. And yes, we struggle with sin. We are daily aware of the curse of sin in our world. We struggle with the things around us. I've been in a very unique way, even particularly made uh, once again so aware of that reality. I'm in the midst of, of dealing with someone who's put up a valiant fight against pancreatic cancer, but at 52 years old, she is now in the process of dying. And even having to die at 52 years old, it is a terrible, painful process that she is going through. Sin is real. And the reality of sin, but her hope is in Christ. And we praise God for that. But as the psalmist also found out when he looked to God, he said, you know what, God? God indeed is with his people. He never moves out of the camp. In this life we struggle, we wonder, we we die because of the effects of sin in our world, but we have life. And God is with us. And he will bring us into the promised land. He is still the glory cloud by day for you, the pillar of fire by night, leading you his people and he leads you. God and Father, what a joy. What a sober reminder of what sin has done. But what a, what a joy how we celebrate the greatness that we have life in Christ. And He has poured out His Spirit, He has come into our hearts. He leads us in all of life. May we look to Him. May we know that joy. May we know that life. And may we enjoy the blessings of following Him. Every step of that way. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.